0: I'm Sam. And I'm Jackson. And this is your press release.
1: Welcome to the podcast. Um, today, we have the pleasure of having Sue and Randy on. Um Sue is the co founder and CEO of Empower Educational Consulting. As a multi talented teacher, consultant, author, and entrepreneur, she has skillfully turned her passion for learning into a guiding life for educators. With a clear vision and the courage to pursue it, she shares her insights, joy, and the ABCs of education with schools and districts nationwide. Sue's mission is to spark the flame of curiosity in all children, inspiring them to become enthusiastic learners and critical thinkers. She juggles businesses and life like a pro, and outside, uh, she juggles businesses and life like a pro. And outside of work, Sue enjoys cheering on her kids in sports, exploring the outdoors, and staying fit as well as devouring books, tenure year garden, garden, and baking scrumptious treats. In that order. There's, there's a lot in there. Wow, <laughs> I, in there. I'm impressed. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm like,
2: wow. That? Yeah. Wow, that <laughs> is impressive.
0: We also have Randy's bio. It's a little more <laughs> list-based, but that just shows that the so difference good. of thinking. That yeah, is so good. Yeah. Right? So oh, my word. Randy Yoakum served in the U.S. Air Force. He served in LDS Mission in Birmingham, England. He graduated from BYU with a communications major and a business minor. He formerly worked at Harcourt School Publishers and Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, and he co-founded Empower Educational Consulting in 2008. He currently serves as the chief sales officer with Empower.
2: And I, too, like to bake. Oh, yeah? Oh, yes. Who's the better? Are they they scrumptious? They are scrumptious. (laughs) It depends on what we're baking. Yes. He makes a
3: mean chocolate chip cookie.
0: That is true. Yeah. All right. Well, how about you guys just give us a little intro into yourselves and what is Empower?
3: Am I up? Sure. Okay, uh, what is Empower? So, we founded an educational consulting firm. Um, uh, it will help to give a little background. Uh, I was a school teacher, uh, I taught in southern Utah St. George, where I was raised on a farm. Um, and then moved to Las Vegas and uh, taught there as well and was soon picked up by um, Harcourt School Publishers. So we worked for a major publishing company to be a national consultant for them. Um, It was awesome Uh, and worked there for, I don't know, 13 years with them, just kind of moving up through the ranks and um, through management and learning a ton of stuff, helped produce uh, and publish textbooks and materials for kids. And through that journey, um, I think with uh, my background of just being raised on a farm, we have a fruit stand in Santa Clara, and and just uh, kind of being raised to be maybe a little more entrepreneurial and just always wanting to do good uh, for the community. Uh, when I um, got to a point in my career, and it was awesome, we loved the company and I love working in education, we just realized there was something missing. I think uh, teachers uh, were getting handed textbooks and materials and say here use this it's going to make everything perfect and it just wasn't working and um, the way I love to do professional development and workshops was a little different than what was happening and I thought maybe we can do this like maybe we can go out and just help teachers become better teachers like just be really organic and very real with them and really um, I don't know authentic in the classroom versus here's a book it's going to fix everything um, so we decided to branch out, uh, Randy was working there at the time as well. And, um, we decided to branch out and just do our own things. So we do job embedded coaching in the classrooms side by side with teachers. So we do professional development or workshops, um, just super hands on a lot of fun. Um, but then we do side by side job embedded coaching. So we stand shoulder to shoulder with the teachers in their classrooms and we're there on a monthly basis. And it is incredible. And you get to see everything because it's authentic. It's not like, oh, this will work. It's like, oh, that wasn't working. Let's figure it out together. Like, what are we going to do? And um, in the midst of all that, we ended up realizing that there were some gaps in materials, just things that weren't there that could really help teachers. So we've ended up publishing a lot of what I'd call supplementary materials, just things that can help teachers in the classroom. Um, we're all about fun, engaging, motivating, uh, kids need to play, to learn. And so our products are built and designed around that. So we've been doing this almost 15 years now. Is that right? 15? I can't count. we
2: up on 16.
3: Maybe 16. Yeah. yeah. Apparently I don't do math very well. That was not really good. <laughs>
0: and you said kids need to play. Is this, what age group are we looking at? Is it just elementary or is it no, all?
3: All. We okay. actually do pre-K through 12th grade. And it was interesting in the beginning years and the first years, it was, um, we didn't get a lot of districts or calls or, you know, from, from schools that would be like, oh, come work with our middle school and high school. They're like, oh, yeah, we're struggling in middle school and high school, but no, just help our elementary. And um, now we work in so many middle schools and high schools because kids need to play and think and learn there too. And I think um, it just, As education has been kind of tipped on its side a little bit, people are like, we need to help. We need to do something different. What we're doing is not working. So we just need to do it different. And um, we really have word of mouth business. We don't really have to go out and do a ton of advertising or things. And we love it that way. We love that people are like, this is working. This is working in our school. This is working in our district. Come and see what's going on. So it's kind of where we are pre-K to 12.
1: Awesome. Okay, so I've got a quick question about that. Um, You guys talked a lot about play to learn. So what are some examples of play to learn? And maybe you can chime in on this too. As is that kind of the motif or
2: theme of what you guys do? Play to learn? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Sue hit it on the head when you when you think about some of the things that are traditionally done for for math or for literacy. Um, like you said, if it's, if it's not working, maybe there's a different way to do it. And so I think that there's been some things that have come along that have, uh, been attempts to mix it up with education. And so I think, uh, I think, um, there was an attempt to do, what was it? Common core, right? Kind of mix things up a little bit, kind of shook things up, especially parents are like, uh, what? um and so uh with math especially because they're like well, what's this new math well all it was it was a different approach to doing math and so it's like okay well, let's t- turn that and look at it maybe there's more than one answer and how do those kids come up with those answers and so we're going to expose them to a different you know methodology you know and uh and i think that uh, that's kind of been our approach you know is uh we want to be able to kind of meet that need and so Um, however you learned, you know, math, however I learned math, it's, it's kind of taking those experiences and saying, well, what did I like? What did I didn't, you know, what did I not like? And so I think what we do with, with math is kind of incorporate some of the things that, um, parents or teachers have inherently done. So do you remember maybe parents, grandparents, or whoever playing cards with you when you were a kid? Do you remember that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, lots of, lots, lots of games that are included with a deck of cards. So what we did was we turned, remember playing war when you were a kid,
1: that was my favorite yeah. game. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> In kindergarten, and so really competitive.
2: And so along the lines of math fluency, let's create some games that are, you know, based on mm-hmm. uh, math games that incorporate dice or cards. And so, you know, when you're um, playing war, we just incorporated it into, mm-hmm. okay, let's make it competitive so we can increase their math fluency or their recall. And, uh, and so you might have, you know, kids going back and forth. Well, how can we, you know, put a twist on that? So when it comes to addition, well, let's talk about that. You know, for, for the early grades, it's, you know, plus and minus. So if you slap down a card and you say, if, if you have a moderator and one's going... Okay, plus seven, plus five. Whoever gets it first, they take that. And then they say, okay, that's mine. Whoever has the most rounds wins that, you know, that, that game. And so then you play it over and over. Well, what happens is that because of the competition, it does get faster and faster, increases the math fluency. And so if you can take that one simple example and then you know, move it across you know, different tools or you know, materials that you might find at home like cards and dice, just about every you know home has cards and dice, and so what can we do? So we of course, built that into a, a program where you can use it in the class you can use there's a home version of it as well, and so when you think about it, all those games you know with with cards, it's like the kids are learning strategies, and so now we're just pointing out Johnny had learned it this way. Well, explain to us how did you come up with that answer and mm-hmm. so
3: I think I love what you said. I, um. In life, that's really how we learn, right? We explore, we play, we... Um, I don't know, you said you play baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Scores in baseball are pretty easy, right? Single runs, but yeah. basketball, football, right? We're adding by sevens or sixes or threes or twos. Or, math is all around us, right? Literacy is all around us. Oral language is all around us. We just, I think for years in education pigeonholed it that it had to look like this. It was just a very... Mm-hmm. What I'll say, kind of traditional rote memorization, and those of us who don't memorize well would have struggled, right? Or attention problems, right? So um, when we say play to learn, we really mean authentic learning, right? Like just how do you engage in literature? How do you how do you want to write? Well, you want to write because writing is is actually an art and a science. There's a science behind it because there's a structure, but it's artful right? It's your own words. It's it's what you think. It's what's in your mind. And so I think when we make learning more authentic, and Randy's right, we actually ended up writing products, um, materials that are game-based, So, but not online. We want kids talking and learning and sharing and talking about the strategies and how they got there and how they learned. So um, our things are play-based, but very authentic in what they do and natural, right? Um, I like I said, grew up farming in the fruit stand and you know, a strategy for subtracting, right? If somebody gives you $20 and your bill is 17.22, a strategy in school that they would say is line them up and subtract, right? In the traditional method. Well, we all know that adding up to subtract is way better, right? When I count up and say, oh, 17.22, here's three pennies to 17.25 and then I give you three more quarters and now it's 18 and then here's $2. It's a way better strategy right? More authentic, more real. So we point those out and then we give games to support that. We're like, Hey, okay, practice and play like this. And Randy's right. Dice and cards and dominoes. Those are just numbers that are random number generated, but they, the kids think they're having fun. Like they're really playing math and they think they're having a blast. So it just changes the classroom, but we didn't completely tip a classroom on its, you know, on its ears. Like you do that for five or 10 minutes a day and then you make huge gains. As a matter of fact, did you know right now? Um, our literacy, like students who can pass literacy exams, right? Like mm-hmm. be proficient has dipped to 30% this year in the country. 30%
2: not. Of are literate.
1: <laughs> That's pretty bad. It's terrifying. <laughs> so I, I've heard a couple stats similar to that. Why do you think that is? Mm. Why are the literary literacy rates so down and also math scores I've noticed are also dismal. There, um, there, I
3: um, I, like I think I just looked like 25.5% percent. of kids who can, be proficient, be proficient on um, math there's a couple of um, a couple, couple of things of, like I, think, things I think we have tried as a country to do a pretty good job. Do a do a good job do they do did enact what they call common core pro or, or, common, or con right or you can, look a, right? You you can look, look a lot into that I think, 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 what, think what they were trying to do was just standardize the standards that we were were shooting for right because you go to a state like Massachusetts we live in Arizona right we're like ranked 49th I think in the state in the nation right for just kids being able to pass tests and um us in mississippi um, i think um and then you have states maybe Um, back east who just do a much better job but they have different standards so we weren't holding everybody to the same standards so when that rolled around quite a few years ago they were trying to just standardize that say okay everybody let's at least try to shoot for this um and then we give you know common assessments like your sats or your acts and say okay kids have to meet this um In the last, I think we really, really struggle because teachers don't really understand the standards sometimes. They don't really know what they're shooting for. Um, for. I think parents don't understand what kids are supposed to be shooting for. Um, for. Um, for. um, And then there's so many changes in education all the time, it's hard for teachers to keep up, right? It's hard for people to kind of stay on top of it. So it's just this cycle, this cycle.
2: Yeah, and I and I would say, you know, with with that introduction of of common core because it's a love-hate relationship for teachers. But I mean, I think that the overall benefit of it is that it did cause people to take another look at education. You know, like, oh my gosh, and it caused a lot of people to like parents we kind of get into a groove and we just kind of assume that, you know, our kids are on this this path almost like a conveyor belt that's or an escalator that takes them up. But I think uh, also COVID kind of turned education on its ear, too, and made parents and teachers kind of look at education, uh, education a little bit different as well. And so, you know, that was, uh, that was an interesting time for education. And so, um, you know, we were fortunate to where we, we also had to look at some of the things that we did, and we did some things differently as well. But we had parents that were calling us in saying, geez, I really want to help my kids, you know, what do I do? <laughs> and so,
3: into the classroom. When classes went online, parents were standing in the background going, that's what you were learning? You know, like yes. what? Yeah. <laughs> and really had to yeah. like take part in that. So um, I don't know. Education's been on an, an interesting course. Um, I'm There are a ton of factors. I mean, truly. And, and to tackle them all is a really hard thing. Um, but we try to do it one classroom at a time. So when you can really focus on what's happening here for these 30 kids in elementary or 180 kids that this, you know, middle school math teacher sees every day, if, if we can adjust that, if we can fix them that uh, trajectory a little bit and say, let me help you. Like, what are you struggling with right now? What are you really struggling with in your classroom? Oh my, the kids, the classroom management. Okay. Let's tackle that first. And then I really don't understand how to teach multi-step equations. Hey, we can tackle that with you. Right? So um just really paying attention to teachers needs and the students needs individually rather than trying to globally say this is going to fix it all because it never really works right we're all individual and um different schools different school districts we were saying earlier like we work in new mexico we work in arizona we work in west virginia like we work all over the country and um even school to school within a district school to school is so different and they have different needs so I think just meeting teachers where they are and kids where they are is huge and really being locked in on what are best practices and what is good for kids learning. Um, I think the thing that's going to start turning the tables truly is that we understand our brains a little bit better now. We really truly understand that brains have neuroplasticity. We can learn and grow and our brains change and we can change those neural pathways and we don't have to keep doing the same thing. It wasn't working. So if we know that about kids and we know that about our own learning, it's easy to change, right? You just need to kind of plug and play, right? The right strategies, the right structures, the right routines in a classroom. So it's always um, a partnership, actually, is what we do in the classroom. We just partner. Like, what's really good about what's happening in the classroom and what's the gap and how do we fill it together? So
1: So that makes me think – of the part when you're talking about that there's so many different needs throughout the school districts. From then a business standpoint, how do you tailor a solution to fit such a variance of needs?
3: Oh, that's so hard. That's a good question. When you figure it out, let us know. Um, You know, it's really just something like this. We just tell our story. Like when we meet with customers and um, we really do try to partner with people who want a long-term solution. And I don't mean us long-term, but like we really want to make changes because this kind of change isn't easy, right? It's not again, giving Mm. them a textbook or a computer program and walking in saying, Oh, this is going to fix it all because it just doesn't. This is, this is, this takes work. You have to roll up your sleeves to do this. So, um, it is hard, in all honesty, it's really hard to market yourself. Like, what do you say? We come in and fix everything? <laughs> well, that's- and I, I,
2: well, and I, I, I can tell you that there are a couple of keys to success on that. And so it is, I mean, we're fortunate. We have a dynamic, talented group of uh, consultants that work with us. And so kind of a nod to Stephen Covey, you know, begin with the end in mind. You know, the the places that I think that we have the greatest amount of success is where you have an administrator, you have a leader that um, wants to do things a little bit different, mix it up a little bit, to see some things change, to move the needle. And so you have to have, um, and we're, we've seen so many great administrators who have a vision. So if they have a, a mission statement, if they have a plan in mind and... We can uh, plug into that and lend a hand. I mean, that's where we see the greatest change. But you've got to have, uh, you know, folks that um, don't get bogged down with complacency with the way that they've always done it. And uh, I mean, we see that a lot. And so we see the greatest change where you've you have these uh, these leaders with a vision. And so once they share that vision with their their staff, and you have the teachers who catch hold of that um that's where you can see some things start to change start to 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 move in a in a positive direction and so and it's a trickle down effect because the the teachers get it the students get it at the end of the day it's it's not the teacher scores it's the student scores and so when you talk about these these proficiency scores that are so low now for math and for literacy how do we get out of that you know and so i mean and we're You know we're fortunate to where you know people do see our value and they do see that we get results in a lot of different areas, but we're just a tool in their hand. If we can, if we can say, okay, here's your vision, and we can customize something, and that was when we broke from Big House Publishing. I always saw Sue as somebody who was kind of a, I wouldn't say a maverick, Eh, probably a maverick because. You know, in the model of professional development with Big House Publishing, there's kind of a way that things are done. And um, I think that the way that um, we did things in our area was we just kind of met with the districts and said, what are your needs? Yes, we have a product and this is how we think the product can help you. But if it's a reading product... We're going to talk more about reading and not just the product, but we're going to talk about reading. If it's a math product, we're going to work together on math. This is a math product, but this is how you can use it to help increase your score. Okay.
1: Um, So from that, I feel like I'm hearing there are three things that make you guys successful. Number one, you're in it for the long term. You want a long-term partnership and that then enables you to customize your product or your service and tailor it to the needs of your clients. And then number three, you have an all-star team that then helps you fulfill those needs. Those kind of... Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. Nice
3: job. Yeah. And you have to be really... You have to listen, right? I think one of our biggest things is listening. What truly are their needs, and then helping them uh, articulate those needs, right? Like, oh, we have terrible math scores. Okay, let's drill down, right? Okay, we understand that, but let's let's go see. So we do observations and walkthroughs, and we do a lot of feedback at the district level or at the site level, right? With administrators saying, "What are you seeing? What's been going on in the past?" So we get a lot of feedback and. And then we go and customize. And again, we're using what we know are best practices, right? Those are things that we just have, you know, kind of uh, the empower way, if you will. That we all know that like this is really, this is really good. But does it fit here? And is it going to fit this need? And if not, how how do we flex that? How do we how do we shift that to help and support this particular need? Because again, everybody's very different. But I look, playing in class. That's a no-brainer, right? That when we play and we use our hands and we talk and we collaborate, everybody should be doing that. That's how life is, right? Very few of us get to sit in cubicles by ourselves and just do our job, right? right?
2: Yeah, but what a better way to, I mean, is there a better way to kind of relate to kids because they're having such a good time and it's hilarious to go to a classroom where they're doing these math games because it gets competitive. I mean, and it gets loud, and it's, they're having a blast.
3: Well, they're and, confident, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. They're, if, they're confident and now.
2: And if that takes 10 minutes and those kids are stoked on math, stoked on math, really? And then, you know, if that teacher takes a, a, a couple of minutes to talk about, well, let me identify, let's identify together that math strategy that you just used and then they put it up on a, a wall or an anchor chart or something like that they all have it to refer to and then they go into their math block i mean all our do all our materials are doing are in that case it's a game we're identifying strategies helping these kids to identify hey i just did something awesome with math right and then that leads into the core math lesson i mean for one thing they're having success before they get to the heavy stuff. And so just that mental, you know, uh, that, that mental outlook going into feeling success, going into, I can do math. I can do the math that's coming. I mean, it's kind of fun and kind of interesting to watch. And, uh, I think um, kids are, you know, happier to, to get a grasp on, you know, what's coming next.
3: Well, and it's important for us to understand that um, teaching literacy, teaching reading and writing has changed um, over the last few years. It's kind of shifted into what, what we call the science of reading. So really read under, truly understanding what the brain does and how kids learn to read and how we learn to process. And it's not just about reading words. It's about the comprehension and the understanding and how we process that but you can't do that without talking. So if a teacher has no structure, I don't know, when you guys went to school, did you talk in your classes? Like was Um, there group work and talk or was it like teachers just lectured?
0: Definitely both, but we had tons of talking and I mean, even now I'm in my last semester of college and we're getting to the point where it's far less lectures than the first couple of years and every class is supposed to be discussion based and the homework is no longer go home and read this. I mean, there is readings, but it's, now go home and work with your team mm-hmm. and get this done.
3: Why is that only good for college kids? Isn't that great for a kindergartner, right? Like that's I mean, that same philosophy of read it, digest it, talk about it, share, like connect to it. And we don't do enough of that in the classrooms. We really don't. And so it's not that teachers don't want to do that. I'm telling you, most of the teachers do. They just never learned it. So they don't understand and they and then they might try something and then it fails and then they're like, Oh, I don't know what to do, or I tried to have them talk and it was just a disaster. And so we're there to help support that. Like, okay, you did, so let's try it this way. So we give new structures, new routines, things that again a teacher can handle on their own. It's personality, right? Like I don't want to give up that much control, or oh, I'm totally fine. Let him just talk, okay? But you didn't have any structures in place, right? So, so you can have you know from chaos to control, right? And and or perceived control, and we have to kind of navigate those waters. So, um, just having good, experienced consultants is a is a big deal, right? Just having the right people who are flexible and kind, and um, I don't know. And and to that point, we have to find a type, if you will, like somebody who fits. Um, our personality because that is and when I say our like how empower has grown right because it it is kind of your vision and your goal on who you want to be and I mean we have a complete field guide and you know like this is who empower is this is how empower feels this is what we look like and sound like even though you're you and you're you and you know you're you we all kind of have a a belief of this is how we work right we work kindly we work side by side we don't tell we don't push we don't you know argue with the teacher like there's just things that we do different that um consultants in the past would generally sit in the back of the classroom and take notes and be like oh well here's this and then they go tell the administrator what's going on we're totally opposite that we're like let's talk about this what's going on like how are you feeling okay here's what i saw what did you see and we're talking with the teacher and collaborating and we talk with kids all the time how did you feel about that did you understand the lesson what part didn't work so more of maybe what a college feel should look like and sound like, right? A classroom. So if they're good college classrooms, right, that's yeah, when you yeah, learn because yeah. you learn from your friends. And well,
0: this, this last semester too, I've definitely learned more than I have my entire time at school. So it, which has been fantastic to see that and see that that's kind of what you're doing yeah. too. Um, and I had a question. It was, it's gone. Sorry. No, it's okay. It, it if, if, flows right into that oh it was so we we hear a lot these days about switching to the mindset of teaching students how to think not what to think but it sounds like you're even taking that a step further and saying we're not just going to teach you how to think we're going to teach you how to think in the way that your brain works in the way that is specific to you and just open all these doors and say find the one you want to go through and figure it out
3: Within those parameters of what's acceptable in a classroom, right? Like you just can't be like, oh, I would totally rather be outside running around right now, right? Within those parameters. But it is awesome. And to get kids to understand their own brains and and be able to verbalize and say, I emotionally feel like this. My brain is thinking this right now. And now what do I do with that? And be able to share that with somebody because kids will sit. I mean, oh, it... it After COVID, we have never seen anything like it. Kids in classrooms—they can't even remember how to sit in a classroom. They don't remember how to talk to other kids. It is painful. It is painful right now, and it'll be years before we pop out of that. Teachers have their hands full. Bless their hearts. I mean, it—it just um, something happened behind those screens that um, just changed education forever, and it'll be a long time pulling out. Um, But we're trying. Right. Yeah. We're trying. And I think all teachers are out there trying to figure out what it is. And I think parents and families are too. But it's it was a rough go. It, it's it's been it's been hard.
1: So in that same kind of a similar vein, what issues do you guys see in the current educational system? And how does empower directly solve those?
3: Oh well, I can answer two. Um the the first is um I think when most teachers come out of college they're just truly not generally prepared to step into the classroom um one of those is classroom management right just how do i connect and not just manage or control a classroom but how do i connect right how do i how do i still be the teacher and yet understand them and and build a classroom community where everybody feels welcome so that's a huge problem um and it is because kids are super stressed out too, right? They went through a whole traumatic event. Um, and so that's becoming harder and harder and kids are more online and on screen and that's that's posing communication problems, right? So that is one of our biggest issues is just kids getting along in classrooms and learning to talk and communicate again, which sounds crazy, but it's totally true. Um, the second is teacher's knowledge. And I know that sounds a little odd, but it's probably one of the things we love to do the most and that is extend teacher's knowledge from when they came out of the classroom, so or out of their college classrooms. So many of our colleges don't prepare our kids, The I mean, our teachers the best, and that's, I don't know, that could be a whole other topic for another day. I can't quite put all of my fingers on that, but um, it just isn't real-life application for most of them. They come out and they're just gobsmacked when they get there, like that's what it was all about. I didn't ever learn that in the classroom. So um, again, I'll go back to mathematics right now, uh, the understanding of teachers understanding how to teach mathematics, not just do math, right? If I'm a middle school or high school math teacher, I can do math all day long. But how they deliver it to kids and how they teach kids and how it comes across. I have no doubt you've sat in math classes as a, in college and said, what are you doing right now, right? College professors, I'm sure. Um, and they know how to do the math. They just can't deliver that to you appropriately. And it happens all over, um, and teachers are doing the best they can. They just didn't know. We go into classrooms all the time and we're saying, oh, what about this? I didn't even know. I didn't even know that happened. Why did not nobody tell me this? Why did not nobody tell me there were, you know, six math strategies for adding? Like, why didn't you just tell me that from the first place? I would have, you know, but they're following along blindly in books or, you know, whatever. So um, just giving them some knowledge. And man, then they're empowered. They're like, I got this. Now I can be me in my classroom. Now I understand that. I can take it and run. So I think that's what we do different, right? We really, no pun intended, we really empower the teacher to say, now you're confident enough because you understand how to teach mathematics. If I'm a kinder first grade teacher, I understand early numeracy now. I get it. That's why I was doing what I was doing, but I had no idea. I was just following along what they told me to do. I was just doing this routine, but I didn't realize how powerful it was. Um, So... I don't know. I think that's one of the things we do best is just really empower a teacher to have the knowledge and then let them fly. Let them try. So.
2: Well, too, and I think uh, I think change is hard, too. You know, I think, uh, you know, doing things a little bit different than what you've done in the past, you know, that's... Man, It's sometimes it's hard to get your head wrapped around it. And teacher's plates are full. You know, they are full. And so when we come in and we support... Um, and that's really what we are as a support and a, a tool in their hands. You know, it's uh, you know, it's really an interesting thing because the the teachers have to trust us for one thing that we're there to actually support them and not to you know do anything else, such as put them on a list. You know, so um, we don't evaluate. Uh, yeah. But I, you know, I think it is, you know, I think we are at a time in education where we do need to take a hard look. I mean, those numbers are disturbing. You know, they're they're not the worst. Those are the national average. So that means that somebody's really high and somebody's really low. And so, uh, I mean, when we look at certain districts and the proficiency scores are in the single digits, that means that a large number can't do or meet a standard, you know, or... You know they just can't do the math, and somehow they're getting progressed along the along the route but um you know we we really do need to take a, a look and then be open minded you know what are the solutions what kind of solutions are available? are we open minded enough to try something different than what we've been doing for the last bit and getting the same results I mean those are hard questions that that need to be taken a looked at um, so that is uh you know, for districts who are getting kind of the same scores, we worked with a district in Arizona that had, they, they have um, letter grades attached to them. And so this, this district that we worked in, they had like an F score for pff, 10 years. And so we started working with them and they ended up moving up to like a D, which is awesome. And so it's almost like a ticker tape parade because they're moving up, you know? And so that's awesome because somebody at some point said we need to do something different. We're getting the same results. And so, uh, we, we'd love to see people who Sue mentioned drill down, got to drill down. You got to look at the scores and, and say, what are we doing? Right. What are we doing wrong? And make some changes. And so the the classrooms, classrooms, right. You have to
3: see what's happening in the classrooms, but I don't know. Our, our teachers. back to your question, our teachers really understanding what they're supposed to teach, how they're supposed to teach the best way that they can, right? I always say good, better, best, right? You're doing good things. You're trying to do better, but what is the best thing for this classroom right now and for you, right? So how is it a win-win for everybody? So when we dive in, that's what we look at. And we try to just bring, we get to see classrooms all over the country. So we can say, this is working here and this is working here. And do you want to try this? And how does this feel? Like try it on for size. And so people don't feel stressed out when we're in their classrooms because it's a partnership so i think that's just what makes our business work it's um very unique in the industry i'll tell you like that just it doesn't happen that way to partner like that just doesn't happen
1: Today's sponsor is Mecca.
0: Mecca is your one-stop shop for meal prep and fitness goals. Every week, you'll have your meals delivered in a bag like this. You can select two or three meals per day, as well as you have a variety of supplement options that you can order from their website. Their website is mecca.fitness. Be sure to use code YPR to get 10% off your order.
1: I ate 12 Mecca meals before this podcast was, was released, and I loved them. I had great results. They were delicious. They were easy to make. I think it was two minutes in the microwave, um, and I was highly impressed. So I would recommend them to anybody who's looking for meal prep, easy options, microwavable meals. They're easy. They're convenient.
0: And I'd have to agree. I had them for probably about two and a half months straight, and that was just about all the meals I ate. Nothing wrong with them. Absolutely loved them. Delicious, like, like Sam said. Super easy and convenient.
1: You can find Mecca on their website, social media, and on all of them, it is Mecca.fitness. So, so search Mecca.fitness to find them. Remember code
0: YPR. And you, and you said you found the most success in getting to that result and outcome and turning schools around like that when there's someone there with a vision. Yeah. What does that vision look like? What What are you looking for when you're looking to create a partnership?
3: Oh, that's such a great question. Um, the, the short answer is someone who kind of wants to shake it up and they're not afraid, right? Like we've been doing this for a long time, but now. Um, and they're good listeners and learners themselves. I'll give a prime example. We have a, uh, well, we have numerous fabulous districts and those that make the most gains, you will see the principal sitting in on the trainings and the workshops and walking classrooms. You will see the superintendent in there or the assistant soup, or they're not the ones that say, oh yeah, we hired you to fix it and then they step out the door. They're literally saying, what are they learning? How do I support it? And then they continue that. Honestly, the truth of the matter is we try to work ourselves out of a job. We do what we call gradual release, which is I do. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to help you. We are going to do it together. We're going to practice together. And then you go do it on your own. We hope that we're out of a school district within three to five years, if not earlier. Usually we're fixing a lot of things so we stay there you know where we start on this and then we move to here and then we start on literacy and then math, those scores go up so then we move to math and then math scores go up and then it's like oh we're having a huge problem which is our second problem and that is a lot of um, just mental health issues just kids struggling um, and teachers so in most of our districts right now it's a combination of yeah we are struggling with you know math right now but we've got teacher burnout we've got people walking out the door People are literally locking, walking out the door and saying, I'm not coming back. And it's, you know, January 23rd for no rhyme or reason, but teachers are stressed out. So we work really hard on that balance of not trying to overwhelm, but take things off their plate, make it easier and smoother. Um, same thing with administrators. Superintendencies, three years. That's the average that they stay in. That's not, that's not great for longevity, right? For that job. I mean, you want a leader who's going to be there and stay there. And some districts are great and they stay there for a while, but um you know school administrators are walking out the door like it's a really hard go of it right now because it just feels too big to fix so again one classroom at a time you just take it as it is and you know try to do the best you can and work together collaborate
1: forgive my ignorance is three years a long time
2: or a short time super short time super short time,
3: time? Super super short. Short time.
1: what's well, the I average time
2: yeah if you're if you're getting really um unsettling scores <laughs> and you want to make a change. I mean, I can think of, you know, just, I mean, there's people in places that come to my mind for that made a, 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 a really concentrated effort to bring about change at their school. And they, this administrator that I have in mind was very hands-on, very involved, very engaged and very collaborative. And so it wasn't, okay, this is my plan. It was a dialogue going back and forth and then meeting certain milestones and then you know kind of reevaluating reassessing and then moving forward so if you can take a school from you know a failing grade up to an excelling in a short amount of time it's it's an amazing thing to see because that's not reflective of just the growth in the staff it's reflected in the kids the kids are getting it and so but it really takes you know somebody who's committed, enthusiastic, motivated, um, an educator that, uh, that sees something that's maybe doesn't exist at that, at that moment. And, and then they commit. The committing part is, is big because it takes time and it takes resources, but those resources are, um, best I mean they're the what they're intended for that's the best place to, to put it into and so the professional development the coaching resources you know are, are powerful but they're only as good as you know the, the knowledge that, yeah. to use yeah.
3: Yeah. they're all that, a product a program a computer program is only as good as the person implementing right you really need to invest in your teachers um, to make changes and actually to kind of short answer that think of your superintendent's a CEO right? So you don't want your CEO turning over every three years, right? You just, that's massive. That's bad, right? Bad vision, it just messes everything up. So 10 to 20, 25 years, yeah, when you've got a good one, you want them to stay there and and really, you know, sit in that spot and grow and grow and grow with good vision. So yeah, just think of them like a CEO. That's what's so much fun is, um, I don't know, growing up, I didn't even know that I was, I guess, going to be a teacher, right? I just thought I'd stay on the farm and just enjoy what I did and went into teaching. But you're kind of the... CEO of your own classroom as a teacher. And then, um, I re- when I got picked up by Harcourt and decided to go into business, I'm like, no, 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 I'm a classroom teacher. I don't do this. Right. Like I don't know business. And, um, yet it felt natural, like, just like I belong there. And, um, and I grow every single day. I have the best crew around me, like him for one. Um, and we have worked together as long as we've been married. So, um, which is probably a feat in and of itself that we're married and run a business together. And I don't even have any scars. (laughs) scars.
2: Um,
3: but we have the best team around us. And so you just, you hope you practice what you preach, right? Let's collaborate, let's share like what are good ideas and, and really thinking and maneuvering with each other and make it a joint effort. And, um, I think our luck is that we hire well. I mean, we hire better than we are, right? You always hire somebody smarter than you are, and we're really, really lucky in that. So um, I feel like although we're in education, we, we're just a business, right? We're just like any other um, industry out there trying to do the best we can to help our customers. And um, it's been fun to kind of learn a business side of things because I'm like, oh, I'm just a teacher. I'm just a teacher. I don't know, but... We've had a lot of business. Um, I mean, he had a degree. In business,
2: well, and, but, you know, and, and we are fortunate. I mean, fortunate. I mean what, what, what Sue said, and this is the interesting thing about, uh, about what we do in the industry that we're in. I mean, and it's such a compliment because we would not have grown as much as we've grown without um, people being happy with, satisfied with um, the work that our teachers, our consultants have done in the schools or districts that they've been in i mean it's just a testament really and uh, in fact we uh, we got a call yesterday from a principal who said that she'd been talking to another principal at the school that we were doing you know these things and we're super excited and so that's really these principals are talking to each other or administrators are talking to each other it really is a testament i mean our success is their success you know so You know, I'm I'm amazed that, you know, when when people are we're all results oriented, you know, and um, schools, you know, if they have that mentality that you have to look at, well, if these results aren't acceptable, what can we do to change it? And so, you know, that's 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 an interesting thing. And so. It's exciting to see other people say, look at, we're finding some success. And to see somebody else who has it's like-minded said, well, you're having success, success and I want to have success too. What are you doing? Now, that's an open mind. And those are individuals with... Um, you know, something bigger in mind, something better in mind. Well, and well, so that's, it it's fun to watch. It is.
3: The, that's the people you said, who do we want to collaborate? Like, who do we pick? You're, you, we kind of pick our partners too, right? You're like, oh, yeah, you're ready for us. This is good. You're in a good spot. Um, we have one main vision, and that is what's best for kids. Our, our underlying motto, I guess I would say, under the table is what's best for kids. Like, if anybody comes to me with a question, I'll say, is that best for kids? You know, a teacher says is it best for kids or teachers? Is it best for the kid or the adult? And every time if we can answer that, we're answering the right way. And so that's the kind of people we want to partnership with, right? When they come to us and they're like, we have these issues. If we can get down to the heart of the matter, which is kids, and we know that we're making the best decision for kids and it's going to be the best outcome for them, then we're all on board and it's all good. So it's fun to remind people of that and say, it's not even, why did you start this? Like, why did you want to be a teacher? It's not even about that. It's, is this decision best for kids? Like, what are you doing right now as a superintendent, as a board member, as a, you know, curriculum specialist? Are are you doing what's best for kids? Is this decision what's best? And we're kind of just there to remind them of that a little bit too, which that's why we have success. Because when we're putting kids first, then it generally works.
0: What In, in your, your head, head, what is that that vision vision outcome outcome of best best for kids like what does that mean because you talked talked a little bit about how common cores and the standards standards of that is is a love hate yeah Yeah. so i have to imagine like that's that's not not, like meeting the standards standards of common core can't be the ultimate goal goal. there has to be something more behind it
3: yeah oh wow that's a hard question you said no hard questions just kidding Um, (laughs) it's well we have four children um and i think what i would say to that my answer is are they problem solvers, critical thinkers? Are they happy, right? And and can they persevere? Like those are the things you're looking for. Are you giving kids experiences that they're confident enough to not give up, that they have some skills and strategies to work around that, whether it's mental, emotional, like I can persevere through this or I even have the skills to fall back on and say, wait, I learned that before, or I've seen something like this and now I can work my way through it. So. It's kind of a combination. Like you really want kids to be um, authentic learners where they want to persevere through something. They just want to learn and they want to grow and they don't want to stop learning. And we learn in all different ways, right? Whether it's a a podcast or through a video game or what, you just need to know your own learning style and how you do it, but you want to learn and you want to persevere through it. So I think it's just being a critical thinker and a problem solver and not being afraid of it.
2: Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, I mean, it's, you know, right now, you know, what kind of contributions and, you know, when they, they, they when kiddos get to the workforce, you know, they're full grown adults. So what did they learn? You know, what did they learn in junior high and high school and in their college experience? I mean, and are these things that will better equip them to face the workforce? And can they contribute to the fabric of our country? Um, you know, those are kind of big questions for us, but we feel like we, we do a bit to contribute to that, you know, and, and what we do when we, uh, when we first started our, our business, you know, we maybe had a different idea of, of how things were being done before. And I think that that's one of the things that makes our country great is that, you know what there's lots of different ideas out there there's lots of different ways to do it if we feel like we can contribute this way better than you know than the model that we were set up in then we're going to give it a shot and i think that there's no better place than our country to actually you know apply those things you know great chance to to start something different something new and to contribute in a different way you know, and, um, you know, we're blessed and fortunate to where, you know, people saw value in that and we were able to help and contribute and, uh, and it continues to evolve as well. You know, we continue to learn and we continue to, and we learn a lot of that through collaboration with these, uh, the school districts and our customers and we're just blessed with great relationships, so.
3: Knowledge is power, right? When you learn something and you wanna share it, it's those people who hold on to it, it ends up turning and biting them in the butt, right? When you share that knowledge and and that joy of of truly the joy of learning and you're like guess what i learned today okay let's talk about this is this applicable to you and that is so much fun and i think when you have that collaborative spirit and that's you might say that just sounds so altruistic right like oh really can you really make that happen but what i mean one small example of a change in a classroom when you will go back to math again When we start saying, okay, we're going to start this math lesson with a problem. How would you solve this? What does this look? I don't even care what grade you are, right? You just start with the problem and make it applicable, make it authentic, make it real. Like in the real world, this is what's going to happen. Like, how can you solve this? Then let kids collaborate, let them talk. This is what I would do, this is what I do. And there's really no wrong answer, right? I mean, there is eventually a wrong answer, but there's no wrong strategy. How are you going to get there? And then you share and say, I never even thought about that. Like, that's so cool. And then we open our thinking and then we become just better in the world. You become a better human being when you're not so myopic in how you visualize things. Like, no, my way of doing it was so much better than yours. And then you're like, wait, but their way worked too. So when we can get teachers to have that kind of collaborative spirit in the classroom, and it doesn't take long. It's only a few minutes, right, to have those conversations. And then the teacher can go back to sharing their information because we do have stuff to say, right? There are standards to meet. I do need to teach you how to multiply or, or how to, you know, add fractions. But how we get there, there's multiple strategies and multiple ways. And kids come with amazing stuff, right? We're just wired that way. Our brains are mathematically wired, believe it or not. Teachers just teach math out of kids, I swear. Um, but like we're mathematically wired. We're, we're wired to talk, And share and communicate. And what does that mean? It means that I can read and write, right? I share my thinking through talking and writing. And then we just have to give the kids the tools to do it. So I think if we just turn a little bit on maybe what we've done in the past, that's I'm delivering information, you know, and only the information I want you to have is what you get versus we can share information and learn from each other. So when you you can make little changes in the classroom that can make that big idea really happen. And we see it time and time again. We've taken school districts from F's to A's in just a couple of years and our track record proves it, but it's not us. It's all the hard work of the teachers and the kids and the administrators who all get on board and say, this is good, right? This, right, is, this good. is good. And it's actually, actually simple, simple is better. Is better. It's, it's all simple, all simple well what we teach. teach. I mean, truthfully, truthfully, it's, it's not a we just, just die how simple it is, but it's fun. It's fun.
1: That's awesome. Um, I, I love that you guys are showing your track record of helping districts F's to A's, you know, that's kind of the result that everybody wants. And I feel like we spent a lot of time talking about the how of teaching, which is, seems to be what your business is built around is helping teachers teach how. And I just have a question about the what of, do you think that the educational system adequately prepares students to lead effective lives?
3: That is it. No, not right now.
1: And why? I'm glad I'm not the only one who thinks. No. That. <laughs> well,
2: and you know what? It's it's, it's, it's like not a, a. It's actually a good question oh. because if so I can right. if I can preface yeah, this real no. quick. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, just I, crank I the can
3: opener,
1: yeah, can Yes, open I. Work. So I'm asking this question because it's a common concern that I hear from people, and I think that that people would want to know from an educational consultant. Am I sending my kids somewhere that's actually going to help them, or should I do homeschooling? Should I look at other options? And so that's what I'm curious about. Is we're spending 18 years of our lives sometimes, 12 years at least, to get an education. Is it really that helpful?
3: Well, I heard something the other day. I'm just going to throw it out here, but it was the best thing I heard. And um, I don't even know remember who I heard it from. I'm sure it was some awesome meme, right? But uh, the gentleman said, and he wasn't an education. He, uh, a teacher had or a, a parent had asked something similar about their kids, and his answer was, um, well, your kids spend eight hours a day with the federal government. And I just did the same thing. I chuckled for a minute. I'm like, oh my word, you're right. And bless our, we, I love our government. As a matter of fact, I taught social studies. I am probably one of the most patriotic. He served in the military. We think we live in the greatest nation on earth. Like, please do not get me wrong. I agree with you. Yes, we absolutely I do. do. Um, but. Too much bureaucracy, too much red tape, right? There's a lot of stuff that happens and- Maybe
2: a little complacency. A
3: little complacency, right? And and it, it's not political. I think it just is, right? I, I'm not, I won't even, it's not politics for me. It just kind of is. There's so much red tape and a lot of bureaucracy that happens and so their hands get tied, right? Um, I think there's a lot of teachers out there wanting to do good stuff, a lot of administrators, and then there's a lot of people that just are complacent they don't care right and and they're tired or whatever it is and I'm just here to do my job and just get my paycheck and it's not all teachers don't get me wrong but um there is some of that going on and that is what's hard is as a parent you're like do I want to send my kid into this right and and I would say go check it out yourself right we got a glimpse of classrooms which honestly I think everybody in education would say well, after COVID, they're going to think teachers are the greatest thing on the face of the planet. I think that flipped. I really do. I think parents got a glimpse in the classroom. Some of them said, oh my word, thank you for taking my kid, take him back, right? Like, I can't do this. I'm, I'm so grateful for you. And that did happen a lot. But I do think some people kind of cocked their head and went, huh, that's what's happening? Yeah. Wow. Okay.
0: Well, even like right now, I'm forced to take a class based on getting recruited it's like we I spent my entire life in the system and you just want me to swap over to someone else's. But it's really the same system in my mind. And so that's where I was like, wait, where's the preparation for the life I want to live? Yeah. Like obviously I need skills and need to learn and need an education. But can't that apply <clears throat> to what I want to do? And it sounds like that's what you're trying to shift the focus yeah. to is no, teach them. They need to learn. But how about you just prepare them more than... Them.
3: Oh, beautifully stated. Prepare more than train. I think that's, um, yeah, and you've got to give them some freedom, right? And, and, and again, not chaos. I'm definitely not talking just, you know, organized chaos in a classroom. There's, there are things that we need to learn and we need to know, but there's just different ways of getting there and, and just preparing them um, for whatever is going to come at them is the way to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: I think you can ask that question to, you know, a group of educators at a school or, or what have you, they, they would have a a serious, if it was open, and there was no, you know, uh, intimidation, or what have you. um, I think honest educators would say, yeah, I, we really need to re examine what we're doing to, um, you know, prepare our kids for what comes next.
3: Well, let me give you an interesting example. So, um, most of our consult, well, all of our consultants come out of the classroom some way, somehow, right. They've taken different paths from a teacher to maybe a, an instructional coach or a principal or a superintendent. I mean, we have people from everywhere, right? Um, most teachers think that everybody teaches like them. So they close their classroom doors and I I did, I was like, everybody teaches as good as I do, (laughs) right? I just, I thought I was a great teacher and I was doing a great job and you think everybody does it the way you do. Like, I really think that's the case because again, you have all the same training, you have the same principle, so you kind of think you're all doing it the same way. And as we gather teachers together, you just see their eyes go, that's what you did, right? Like in good and bad, like, oh my word. They're really surprised our consultants have been very surprised when they step out of the classroom and say, I had no idea that it was that bad out there, that it was that bad. And it's not all bad. Please don't get me wrong, but it is worse. I think in those schools and in those classrooms than anybody thought and to who, who, whose fault, I don't know. Right. What, what the, the genesis of that is, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, you can speculate a lot. I just know we need change. I just know that we need to change. And good for parents for stepping up and saying... Education needs more attention. That's it. Education needs more attention. And and different attention. Um, Throwing money at it doesn't always solve everything,
2: right? I could never... I mean, and and you guys probably probably remember this this story. um, When uh, Mark Zuckerberg threw $100 million at New Jersey. Yeah. Actually, I, I'm not familiar
1: with the story, but he threw you 100 million dollars wanna... at New Jersey. Okay, just so. <laughs>
2: the, the state. To fix, to the the education. To fix education. education. Mm-hmm. Where did that go? I mean, nothing against you know New Jersey. I'm just saying, where was the accountability for that money?
3: How did that help? What, what show, show us, us? Where did that go? And uh, maybe what you did, were the huh?
2: results? Where's the accountability? If I was running a business, and I'm gonna dump 100 million dollars into it, where's the accountability? where's the results and would you be disappointed if you got a big fat zero results at the end of that after investing a hundred million dollars i mean i always kind of question that and i said it just poof what happened so did it better the education system did it increase student scores there was nothing there was no there was no blip on the screen there was no bump so all I'm saying with that is that if you're going, to, if you're going to put money into it, if you're going to invest it, then invest it wisely. You know, if you're going to put money into it, then expect a better outcome. You can't just, like Sue said, you just can't throw money at it and hope that something positive, you know, happens. There has to be a plan in place. There has to be a re- results-oriented efforts.
3: Well, so. I would say um, I, I maybe have a thought on this and right now in education um, teachers have are evaluated right they, they have evaluation systems I think they're kind of broken um, and part of that is administrators like the the principal who's supposed to do the walkthroughs and do your evaluation right your boss doesn't have a lot of time right so your boss comes in twice a year to check on your classroom for five to 15 minutes I mean that's hard right if your boss checked on you once a year You know, and had no other indicators because, you know, it's hard to hold somebody accountable for students' test scores, right? We don't know where the kids came from or how much, you know, I mean, that's a really hard thing to do. We've tried that in the past, right? Hey, we're going to give you a bonus based on your kids' test scores, but I the kids you know are struggling they live here and this is all their conditions and right that's not fair and then do you do it on growth and so there's it's kind of a broken system again it's it's government run and and it's a big machine to turn right and there's lots of lots of concerns behind that but I would say teachers don't get enough professional development that's kind of a weird word to throw out right now but enough training and enough support behind that to help them implement those things that they know. That's why I think we we are kind of that little tiny sliver of a broken fix on that. But then administrators, they need help, right? If I am going to hold those teachers accountable for this, then I need help doing that, right? I can't do that with two 15-minute walkthroughs or observation lessons in a year, right? I really don't get a good snapshot of what that is. Um, and so I think there's just, there's a lot of layers to that that could have some fixes to it, but really aren't right now. So you really can't check on every teacher and find out what's going on and how successful they are or how good they are at their jobs. And then we also have this thing, it's really hard to get a teacher fired, right? So if they really aren't doing a good job and they've been tenured, it's hard to get them out. Now, seeing the business side of it, man, you mess up in a business, your CEO walks in and says, you're fired. And there's, we don't do that in education, by the way. We just don't.
1: Teachers unions? pro con
2: Mm. that's a touchy that's a tough question maybe we won't answer that yeah that is a
3: touchy topic again i mean like all unions right there are really good things and there were reasons behind it um but sometimes they do protect things or teachers who really should not be there and look you i mean you can open a paper and read the news and be like you didn't fire that student and they molested how many kids right like how long did it take you to fire them i mean there really are some some broken things in there too or ineffective burnout teachers who really want to be gone, but they won't even leave their, they know it. They won't leave their classroom because they don't want to leave kids unattended. And we are, by the way, no one's going in the college of education. Nobody, like you check college of education and your universities right now, like nobody's lining up at the door. Like they're not, not Mm -hmm. going to get in that, you know, into that, that job and we don't pay well. But on the same token, how can you pay well when the standards aren't very high, right? Like, I mean, it just—it's a really hard thing. We—we, we, um, it's that's well, a big I mean, topic.
2: I think when you, I, I think with as as much press as the teacher unions have had, um, they've kind of been under the under the microscope, and so I think yeah. that they've been more visible now than they've ever been. Because who talked about teacher unions, you know, up until about three years ago? I didn't even know they were things. thing. <laughs> exactly. And so, right. and so now a lot of times, you know, you, you hear about the, the, the national teachers union and you do hear a lot of political rhetoric, you know. But the thing that I don't actually hear a whole lot is focus on the students, you know. And, and what's, what Sue said earlier, what's best for the students that's i I don't hear that that seems to be absent from what we hear from the the teachers' union, and um you know i I think Sue's right. I think there's a lot of good things that that are involved, but I think that you know the focus really does need to be on what's best for the students, so
3: and making those decisions what's best for
2: kids yeah so then um one. Like one question that I have here after
1: all of that is if you could implement one change across the country in regard to educational reform, what would it be?
3: Oh, you better hit that first. I need time to think. Oh, <laughs> oh no,
2: yeah. I'm I'm just, gonna... just one change. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to defer to, you know, well, let me, let me just say this. You know, that, that whole comment I made about the $100 million come from Zuckerberg to New Jersey you know, the, the average person is looking at hundred million dollars. That's a lot of money, that's a ton of money, right? Now I think of the average investment. If I, if I'm investing $10, I'm going to, I'm going to look at, um, well, what am I investing it in for one thing? Is it, does this thing, you know, what's the performance on this thing? And is it a good investment for one thing? So with, uh, with education, it is at least for me, I've always thought, well, if I was going to donate to something, you know, you can look at it as an investment, but if I was going to donate something, donate to something that would be a charitable, you know, organization. And if you look at like a big concept, like education seems like something that we should be investing in. We should be looking at and saying for our, for the betterment of our country, for the betterment of future generations, we should be putting a lot of attention on on education and so would I put my charitable donations into education yeah it's a great place and then I remind myself we do this every day so so that's a good thing now the hundred million dollars for New Jersey um you know whatever we're pouring in to education these days and it's a lot um during COVID there were I think three major um relief um things from the government. And so the question is what did that money go to? You know, and was it effective? You know, what did they use that money for? And um, you know, of course, you know, on our side we see the value of professional development. We see the value of developing teachers so that they can be the best that they can possibly be. And then what they're doing in the classroom is the heavy lifting. You know, What can you do to um, better those kiddos in the classroom? And so I would say, you know, for for education, it's really taking a hard look at what are we doing now and what can we do better, you know? So I don't know if that helps you, (laughs) because those are kind of big, broad concepts. But like some accountability in the system? Yeah, accountability is huge. I mean, when we, when we, when we talk about coaching in a classroom, you know, that's, that's kind of the big thing is the accountability. And, and we always talk about that whole, once again, nod to Stephen Covey. And if you go back and you reteach within 72 hours what you just learned, and so we can do a big professional development workshop, and then the idea is for us, uh, a great model is to do a professional development, big concept workshop, and then go do Uh, coaching in a classroom where you see where the rubber meets the road. So if we can go back in and reteach and then apply those things and see the development of that teacher, there's always going to be at least on the side of the coach, some sort of accountability tool. What kind of outcome can we expect to see? And so the teachers don't go away, at least with our coaching model, we have an embedded coaching model where we come on a recurring basis the teachers know that we're going to be coming back, and the great thing is that there is evidence of the things that we coached in on the next time we go back in, and so I, I agree. I think that accountability is huge.
3: Yeah, I I actually would agree with that. I think um, if if I follow my own advice, like what's best for kids, and then I say who's in front of the kids all day long it is the teacher that singular teacher is the way to affect what's happening in the classroom for good or bad right they say which i would concur this the studies show that one bad year of teaching takes three years of good teaching to make that up so think about that you have one bad year in first grade you're not going to make it up till fourth grade if you have three good teachers in a row Right? Till fourth or fifth grade. You're not even catching up. Well,
2: well and all you have to do is look at. Well, all yeah, you have to do you're is like, look oh, at. Oh, man, I can think of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and look at COVID. What happened after COVID? It knocked. Well, and even. So the Yeah, the, bad the, bad the scores, the <laughs> scores fell off. And so of that's a really good, good example. That's a really good yeah. example. And it's visible to yeah. everybody. Yeah. I mean, they see it their own kids. You know, there was a backslide. And then you think about, you know, what, what she just said about one bad year.
3: So I guess maybe how do we, you know, reform education, if you will, you focus intentionally on the teachers. And I think it has to be a stage, which is, I guess, on a small scale, why we know it works, which is why I'm like, Oh, actually, this does work. If you focus on the teachers, and you teach and train them, not just once but consistently. It's not a buffet. I can't go in and just say, oh I, I picked this, I picked this, I picked this, but you teach and train them consistently and develop them then hold them accountable. And I don't mean you know mean accountability, right Just good accountability like how did you do that? What was your goal? Did you meet your goal? Okay, how can we help you meet your goal like good accountability that makes you feel good about your job like oh my word, we did that. we did that together. This was so awesome. When you do that, and then you pay the teachers accordingly, right? I'm I'm paying you to be that professional. If we could do that, not just flat raises for everybody. Like, you're a teacher. Let's give you a raise. Like, I don't think that'll work. It, I know it won't because there are teachers out there that struggle and, and really maybe shouldn't be teaching anymore, right? But there are people who want to go into education because they're passionate about learning themselves. They're passionate about helping others learn and grow. They're not going to step foot in there because they financially can't. You can't. You cannot survive on that generally as a single, you know, a single income um, in your family. So I think just teach the teachers, continually develop them, and then be accountable to that. Hold them accountable in a good way, in a good, kind, positive way, and always keep the kids in mind. And honestly, we could change education for the better. I mean, it, it, It. we know we see it. We can see it one school at a time, how it changes. You can see it one classroom at a time. I know it works. It's just, we've got a lot of schools in the country to, you know, tap into and help. But
0: well, and because of that, obviously abandoning the education system is not the answer. <laughs> no, but not. no, for those, for those who don't want to parents who don't want to throw their kids into this machine that is struggling because yeah. they don't have access to these districts that you guys are working so hard yeah. to fix and, and, change does your company does empower provide resources for homeschooling
3: oh my word we do i'm so glad you said that we actually have a huge homeschooling contingency um we do lots of workshops and online stuff for them um and we have lots what i would call our uh at home at school products right things that they can do that are super simple um, I have lots of friends who homeschool and many of them made the choice after COVID to do that. They're like, okay, well, if that's what it's going to be, I think I'm going to well, try it. because they
2: started doing it.
3: Well, yeah, yeah, they started, they're like, okay, the I can do this. Home, so. yeah. But they're finding success. Yeah. So the truth of the matter is, and I will say this, you know, till I'm blue in the face, I am pro public education. Thank you, Thomas Jefferson, for giving us, right? Like uh, public education, free public education, education for all. But parents absolutely make your choice. You need to see what's going on in your school districts, what you agree and disagree with, what's going on in the classrooms, because it's not just the school district. It trickles down, right? Yes. But you, if you have a great principal with the school district, you might not be happy with choices, but the principal's holding their own. Good for them. And if you like that, but then you have to look at the teacher because the teacher is the one with your kids all day, not the principal or not the superintendent. So you really, really have to make those decisions and kudos for those parents who are Um, We absolutely have things to help them. So we have things to help in the classroom. We have things to help at the district level and we have things to help those parents at home. I have tons of friends who actually do part at home and part at school. Their high schoolers are going to school for, you know, some electives and they're teaching their core courses at home. And they're having phenomenal success with it because kids want to be—I mean, middle school, high school—well, all of us, we want to generally be a part of kids, right? Like, and other kids, and and social, and um, and they're finding success with it. So, yeah, we we know how to educate our kids. I think a, a good parent is like, yeah, I I can do that. I can figure this out, and we can help them. I mean, I said teaching's really not. It is hard, don't get me wrong, it is rocket science actually, but you can figure it out. And it's it's more, What maybe I'll say it's authentic and natural. It's way more natural than we think it is. And, um, and if we keep that in mind, that it really is a natural occurrence for us to learn, we see patterns, like math is patterns, we see patterns, we understand them, numbers, those actually come very natural. And if we're not teaching it out of kids and we learn how to collaborate with our kids and and really um, stop and listen to them, they learn a ton. And you can do that at home, too. Yeah.
0: yeah. Amazing. Yeah. you have anything, anything else? else? I, have I have a lot, them, but <laughs> I know we're out of time. <laughs> I, know. I know we've got a lot of time. There's oh. lots and lots of questions. And we could talk
3: forever about yeah. kids in schools.
0: Well, then how about we just finish up with, with two hopefully simple questions? They might be hard questions. Um, one, is there anything you guys are looking to do next or are you just continuing to pour everything into this, and then the other question is for those who are trying to build a business of their own and find success in their own way. What's your key tip for their success?
3: You take next steps. I'll take the other one. How's that? Next
2: steps. Yeah. What are our next we steps? Or next.
3: Steps.
1: <laughs> or like an overarching vision, something yeah. that you're yeah. reaching for in the next five years. Say.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Next steps. I mean, we're we're always looking at okay, how can we reach more people i guess um how can we be more effective um so i mean we've we've looked at a a lot of different things but i think our our you know really our our reach and how we can um you know help people more so that might be in you know just a, the delivery method for for education i mean how do we help how can we lend a hand to homeschoolers how can we you know um, provide some professional development some coaching for um, teachers who are motivated um, you know outside the classroom they're passionate you know and I think that that's kind of gonna kind of go into that next question as well for for business owners as well because whatever you do teachers got to be passionate I mean to do what they're doing because I mean they they throw so much into it I mean of themselves so you know we're we're open minded put it that way we're you know whatever we can do to kind of further the the cause of education whatever we can do to further the cause of developing um educators you know really for the betterment of community and country so i don't know if that's a great answer for you but you know yeah
3: um i think for business owners uh i ha- i have a few words of advice one stay true to your passion and your vision, right? What you really know. And um, that's, it's truly that simple. Like know what you're doing, be passionate about it, and stay true to your vision. Like that's number one. Um, Don't lose sight of it because you can get so bogged down in all of the details and people coming at you. Well, you could do this, or you could do that, or you could go there. And you just need to stay focused on what it is you're passionate about and what your vision really is. Stay the course. Stay the course. Oh, good words. Stay the course, stay the course. That's why we do well together. He can finish my sentences better than I can. Um, And then second, hire up, hire people, surround yourself with just great people um, and be open to um, people that are different than you. I think one of our best... um, I know when we first started, Randy would be like, hire somebody who trains just like you do. And then you have a bunch of Su's out there, right? Like I love the fact that our consultants are so different. Mm-hmm. They come with so many unique things, and yet we know how to work together as a team. And I think that's the thing as as a as a CEO, as a as you know, someone kind of overseeing all that. It's how do I get these awesome puzzle pieces and put them together to make this masterpiece? Because you need all different pieces. And when you surround yourselves just like-minded, you don't stretch, you don't grow because you're all like-minded and you're like circling. You need the outsider, you need that outlier to come in and be like, what about this, right? And so I love that our team is made up of just completely unique people Um, we're like-minded because we have the same values and, you know, the same vision, but we all come with different backgrounds and different ideas and all are welcome. And I think that's, what's super cool. Like it's hiring is hard. It's super hard, but stay the course when you hire, don't just be like, Oh, we need someone, you know, to fill this and stay the course, right? Get who you want and attract them, right? Attract them. Like be, be real. You know, when you're, we're, we're pretty real when we hire like this, this is going to be hard. This is not easy, right? This is what we're doing every day. And somebody might not like you out there <laughs> and this is going to be hard and you might have to travel and we give them the good, bad, and the ugly. And then when they're still on board, there are people. So yeah, hire well.
1: That was a great answer. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, well, yeah, we <laughs> appreciate you guys having us come in and, and uh, being able to talk about these things. Obviously we're passionate about this. I mean, mm-hmm. we get a little excited about, you know, the <laughs> possibilities. Great. We get frustrated. Randy
3: smack the table a couple of times. We get,
2: yeah, we get frustrated when you, I mean, education is such a huge topic for everybody these days. And so we just want what's best, you know. And I think, you know, we, we, you know, given the chance and we've had some time to talk to you guys about it. We learn from you guys. And, you know, um, I just think that we need to talk more about it. Yes. And then to start to do stuff about it. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, we're, you know, we're, we love what we do. And, you know, there's definitely a lot of people out there that, that kind of see what we do, and they might do something similar, and somebody might do close to, and, um, but the way that I see it is that we need a lot of help. We need a lot of help from a lot of different directions if we're going to see some things change, so... Yeah.
3: we're doing our part, but thank you guys. This was yeah. so much fun.
1: Yes. Thank like, you. A yeah, blast. we had a blast and <laughs> super, super entertaining. Yeah. We'll have to have you guys on again we because we have tons more questions. I do. I'm I do too. Yeah,
0: And we're headed into that stage of life, yes. not too long from now. We're going to have our own kids that we're going to need to take care of. And so well, I shouldn't, we need to figure I shouldn't this out. tell you this, but I'll
3: tell you anyway. So one of our consultants, um, he's so adorable. He was a professional basketball player actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a whole, um, but he's also has a social worker background. Like it's, he's absolutely phenomenal. He, now I say this, everyone know who it is, but, um, he called me the other day and he has two small children. Now he gets to work in schools every day and him and his wife were having this discussion. Is our, is our three-year-old behind? Is he doing okay? is it, and it came to the point, I guess, in their conversation, he's like, I'm just calling Sue. <laughs> so I sat with him on the phone. My friend was like, who are you talking to? I'm like, ah, you know, we're just. But it's so good to have that kind of a relationship to be like, I'm gonna call Sue. I'm gonna ask her. I love those questions. You guys call anytime. But it was so fun to just say to him, No, he's not behind. Like, what are you seeing in kindergarten classrooms? Because he's like, Well, he knows his ABCs. Can... I'm like, He's three. Like, just play <laughs> trucks with him. Go shoot basketballs with him. Play soccer. I'm like, He's, he's playing be chess. Fine. I know. But like, it was so cute because uh, again, as parents, we get really caught up in this. Do I put them in preschool? Do I not put them in preschool? What school do they go to? And is, I mean, it is so overwhelming and you just want to do right by your kids. You want, I mean, ev- I think most all parents, right? All of us want what's what's best for our kids. And so um, we do need to talk more. We do need more of this and we need to say, what's good? What's okay? What should I be looking for? What should I, what should I back off of and be like, no, that's okay. This is, you know, this is absolutely normal. I think um, I, my goal, I think for the future is to educate parents more too, and say, you know, um, it's okay. Like, here's what you're looking for. This is, people do come to us all the time. What am I looking for in a school? Like, can I send my kid to the school? What do you know about this school? Right. And, and we get that all the time. And we're now to the point of saying, look, it's not really about the school. It's about the teacher. And then what do you know about that classroom? What do you know about mathematics instruction? What do you know about literacy instruction? Let me give you just a few tidbits and things that you should be looking for. If you see this come home, be worried. If you see this come home, it's okay, right? And that's, I think, a goal for me for the future is to you know, help families more, right? So they feel empowered to be like, I'm making a good choice. I feel really good about this. My kid's going to be okay. And here's how I can help. So, yeah.
0: Well, is there a website that parents can find empower at to, to get those resources. And
3: yes, yes. It's um, empower EC as in educational consulting.com. So empower EC.com.
0: Perfect. Thank, thank, you. thank you again for coming. Yes. We, we've really enjoyed it.